Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Impact Outdoors Podcast. This is your host, Derek York. And this week's show, we've got another great group of people from the hunting public on. Uh, we recently got to go up to the NWTF National Convention in Nashville here a few weeks back and got to hang out with some of the guys from, from the hunting public. And, and uh, I got to meet Greg Clements and his wife, Mindy at the show and um, we talked a lot about a bunch of different things and, and uh, we're able to sit down and record a podcast while we were there with them and and kind of see you know their take on on the, the hunting industry and, and how they got started um, getting to work together which is a pretty cool dynamic you know between them that's something me and my wife get to do a lot so I really wanted to sit down and talk with them about that aspect of it and and uh, we had a great time. It was actually Mindy's first podcast she's recorded, so that was super special. And you know, we had we had a we had a great conversation, and can't wait for you to hear it. So here is Greg and Mindy Clements from the Hunting Public. Hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast. We've got. Got another exciting show today, and honored to have Greg and his wife Mindy from the Hunting Public on on with us. So welcome, guys. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. Thanks for being here. So we're Mindy's at the first podcast ever. I couldn't believe that <laughs> when I asked y'all yesterday. We're here at the um, 44th Annual NWTF Convention in Nashville, and uh, I had um, 
got with Aaron late last year, and then we hooked up at Christmas and, and recorded a podcast. And and um, I told him I was going to try to get with with you guys here at the show. Um, and she was like, I'm, "Why do you want me to be on here?" And I was like, <laughs> "You know, um, it's a cool dynamic getting to work with your wife at something." It um, is. I've been really lucky. Me and my wife get to do a lot of things together um, back home in Texas with our youth camp that we run. And, um, you know, we're both biologists for state. She works for Texas A&M I'm with the TPWD. But, but um, I don't know. It's, it's good when you can do stuff and you both enjoy it. So Yeah, we've actually worked together before. Back in multiple times, multiple times, yeah, through different jobs. Back in college, we worked on a deer research project together. Then we worked at Midwest Whitetail together for a couple of years and then now we've been working awesome. together at the hunting public yeah. since august since august so fortunately we work well together that's that's always a plus that's one <laughs> thing me and my wife we, we mesh pretty well so yeah when it comes to, she's very structured and organized is that you <laughs> I try to be anyway try to be yeah i'm i'm organized but not like my wife she she likes sticking to a schedule and and um if you ever seen the schedule for our, our youth camp, you'd be like, whoa, um, it's pretty intense. But uh, um, that's cool. I mean. I um, used to be a lot more like that, but uh, you can't structure and schedule five boys. Uh, so I've learned how to. Well, she tries, though. <laughs> I try. Right. But you have to learn how to be a little more laid back when you're managing <laughs> this group of guys. Uh, from what we've seen, I think what everybody's seen on the videos, yeah. <laughs> probably you're probably right about that so um well that's cool well you know um one thing me and aaron talked about you know the hunting public y'all have had that going for a little over two years two and a half years right? yep. two and a half years now yep so that has exploded you know i mean beyond what we could have imagined yeah yeah that's insane that's awesome um and y'all really found a a unique niche it seemed like it was pretty void of being able to help people yeah, I think the public land was relatively untapped. There were some people doing it that were putting out DVDs and stuff, and some people mm -hmm. hunting more uh, Western game. Um, right. But as far as deer hunting, public land, you know, on YouTube, um, yeah, there it seemed to be kind of an untapped, kind of a niche that uh, we were able to fill. Yeah. And there's more and more people that have, you know, started to, to enjoy public that. land hunting. It's excited to see more channels mm -hmm. popping up that revolve around public land hunting. So, yeah. Yeah, it's an exciting time. Yeah, there's. I think one of the, the cool things that, that y'all have been able to showcase is the amount of opportunities across the country yeah. there right. is for that. Because mm -hmm. um, the first public hunt I did um, was on Pronghorn up in Wyoming. And, you know, we had by preference points the year before. And I had a buddy that does it all the time, and, and he kind of helped me through that process. But I was scared to death I was going to fill something out wrong or – or something and it wasn't that bad mm -hmm. i mean it was pretty pretty painless and and we got drawn um the first time and uh um you know we're, we're planning on going to new mexico and doing some some cool. hunts over Excellent. there this year um but um you know i guess what are some some tips i guess for somebody just getting into bow hunting or or something that only has access to public land like where should they start you think in your mind um, as far as finding out about where to go and, and oh there's a lot of good resources you know for you know with whatever state they live in you know mm -hmm. of course their fishing game department their dnr is going to have you know resources for finding public land and understanding rules and regulations around the public land yeah um, onyx maps 
is obviously oh, it's a great um, great app to yeah. define public land. And if you're not mm. good in the woods, Onyx can help you not get lost. It's true. Yeah. So I've got it like, on my yeah. phone. Because so. I think part of be like that can be an intimidating portion of starting hunting is you know if you're not used to going in the woods, going in the mm-hmm. woods and then trying to figure out how to get out when every tree looks the same. Right. <laughs> so Onyx has been really like I I utilize that a lot myself. So. Yeah. Yeah. Can hear the turkeys in the <laughs> we got friend Jim here. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how we could hear that. Yeah. Blasting turkey calls in the background <laughs> there, but uh, yeah, and, and you know, with social media nowadays, you know, hopefully finding you know somebody that uh, can help mentor you and get you started hunting on mm-hmm. public lands. That's you know, I started. You know, my dad was bow hunting before I could legally start bow hunting, so. Mm-hmm. When I started going with him on public land, there was kind of already a group of guys there. That there was there was one access point where you had to park, and just you know you just got to know people. You know, talking with them before going in the field, after you get out, and we yeah. just kind of it was a really neat dynamic that um, to meet a bunch of people who really became good friends, have become friends, you know, for years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, you know, starting out that we're happy to help you, you know, kind of learn the ropes of that area. And we worked together to kind of figure out where everybody was hunting. And it was, you know, if somebody shot a deer, you would help them get it out and help them track mm-hmm. it. And it was just a really fun dynamic. And, uh, yeah, I would say that, you know, don't be afraid to talk to people. If you go yeah. out on mm-hmm. public land, don't be afraid. Like you, f- you know, feel like you're going to be bothering somebody or messing them up. Yeah. I mean, that's, you can create friendships and, and learn a lot that way as a new public land hunter. Yeah. And you were part of archery clubs too. Like that would be another way to meet people. Yeah, local Joining archery clubs. Local Absolutely. archery clubs. Yeah, that's always a good good way to get to get in. Um, one of the things I noticed, y'all do a really good job on 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 the videos. Is is really telling people, um, you know, you're hunting public land. A lot of times there's private butted up against to it, mm-hmm. and you know what happens when? It seems like ninety percent of the time the deer's going to run right towards that line right and cross over um how often do y'all you know reach out to if you know you're going to be in area for a couple of days reach out to landowners before i mean y'all, y'all do ask for permission to cut through and certainly yeah yeah that can that can really help um you know there may be times where it's advantageous to be able mm-hmm. to cut across the the private land there so we'll go around and, and talk to the local landowners see if we can use their property to mm-hmm. to access the public land and if not if a animal that you happen to shoot crosses over at least you have some rapport rapport them, started yeah. already and so yeah. it's it's not a surprise if you, yeah. you know, show up and say hey you know a deer i shot crossed can i go track it they're probably gonna be more inclined to say yeah go ahead mm-hmm. but that kind of goes back to what i said about understanding the rules and regulations around the you know, um, the public land hunting and, and just the state laws as well. In some areas, the the landowner can deny you access yep. to go get that animal. In some states, in Iowa, where we live, it is legal as long as you don't have your weapon and as long as you have a blood trail mm-hmm. going across on a private land, you can track that animal. So, cool. Yeah. But we always recommend but we, contacting yeah, the yeah, landowner yeah, regardless. We, yeah, we still. Yeah. How many times have you went up and, and, and talked to them about that? And they were like, well, you can hunt on my side, too. If oh, you sure. Want. Yeah. Oh, sure. I imagine that happens a lot yeah. more than you think. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, talking to somebody goes a long ways, and a lot of people just don't do it. Yeah. So I mean, just. I can't imagine having, you know, being at home and somebody come knocking on my door or something <laughs> at 11 o'clock at night, you know, saying, hey, we shot a deer. You know, can we come on? Be like, no, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, that, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, 
and you know, just one one more advantage I think for for hunters um, being able to have that rapport with people and exactly. And you never know where that leads, man. I mean, it exactly. might be somebody say, hey, you know, my buddy's got some property down here. Y'all yep. can hunt too or something like that. You just never know. So, I mean, I've ran into that. Um, ask, you know, back when I was a kid going fishing in pond, farm ponds, you can drive up and just ask if you can have permission to, to fish and stuff. And um, Absolutely. So, you never know where that'll go. So, um, so this this whole podcast is about how having making an impact. How people have made impact in the in the industry and back in their communities and and just in general. And being here the last couple of days, you know, y'all have made a huge impact in the hunting industry. What do y'all think about that? I mean, because you can tell, just all we people have a want lot of work left. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we think yeah. about it. Yeah, obviously, we're all very <laughs> passionate about hunting, and uh, you know, coming into this wanted to our kind of our vision was to make an impact in the in the hunting mm-hmm. community to to grow and and strengthen the hunters right and it's it's been really encouraging to see really people from all walks of life and all all ages and you know men and women women mm-hmm. uh really enjoying you know what we're doing and being able to relate to it and even if they aren't interested in hunting feeling like they can watch it as right. a family that's one thing that it's really been encouraging to hear that there's, yeah. you know, families will watch it together and that the content is, you know, the parents aren't worried that, you know, something's mm-hmm. going to show up that they don't want their kids to see or hear. Yeah. I, I think, too, you know, we're realizing that we do actually have the opportunity to make a difference here. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty humbling, Absolutely. humbling feeling yeah. to see, you know, the the support that we get because, you know, not everything that you do in life has an impact and, mm-hmm. and you don't know if it will. So to, to be at a point where we're like, okay, we could actually make a difference right. here. That's a, it's a pretty big responsibility. It's very, yeah, and that's very humbling. And yeah, and that's what we did a podcast with Gus Strickland the other mm-hmm. day. And he kind of said that's like, you know, you guys kind of, you're carrying the torch at this point, you know, you yeah. have, you know, a responsibility on your shoulders and yeah, yeah we yeah. do. And and I guess in my eyes, y'all are just so, I won't say not mainstream, but just, you know, we all know how a lot of the industry is, no matter what it is, fishing, hunting, whatever. Sure. It's very uh, sponsor-oriented sure. and, and things like that. And y'all have really shied away from that for the for the most part, I guess. Um, but still promoting things, you know. You know that that are advantageous to everybody, sure. you know, different ways, and that's the coolest thing. Y'all, y'all do so many different tactics, and that's a, where I've learned the most valuable information is just being able to see different scenarios, situations exactly. where we're all using different things, and, and that they all work in their own way. Yeah, I mean, so. hopefully there's something for everyone that watches. Like you said, there's you know we've got guys. Zach especially likes mm-hmm. to hunt off the ground. He's just too impatient to sit yeah, in yeah. a stand, so he's yeah, tell he's that. really developed his still hunting and stalking abilities. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm personally more kind of laid back, patient, and uh, do more ambush hunting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but basically, you know, any any of us will, you know, if the situation calls for it, we'll ground hunt, hunt with a ghillie suit, you know, decoy hunt, uh, spot and stock, whatever whatever the situation calls for. Yeah. Yep, and then we've got a variety of personalities as well that, you know, I'm sure that people can relate <laughs> wide, to. You got, you got the old wide <laughs> variety. <laughs> so... Yeah. Hopefully there's, like I said, there's something that everybody can, can enjoy. Yeah. No, it's good. So, so Mindy, why don't you kind of tell us what you're doing behind the scenes now since you're kind of, I guess, How much time you everything. have. <laughs> well, we got to go. Lay it out. 
I've got something at seven, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, so, man, I don't know. My brain just kind of exploded a little bit. Um, I guess I do. I mean, I just do a lot of the behind the the scenes stuff. Um, our, all of our customer service. I don't mm-hmm. fill the orders, but I send everything over to the um, fulfillment center. I do all the finances, which is really interesting because like math is not my thing. <laughs> Like, I thoroughly have a fourth-grade math education, <laughs> so it's pretty bad that they entrust me with QuickBooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what else I do. <laughs> I mean, I do a lot, do of, a lot of things. do a lot of stuff. But I mean, there's a lot of things that help kind of relieve us from those pressures that keeps us out in the field mm-hmm. and, and editing and creating content. I mean, it could be anything from learning about trademarks and copyright, you know, business oriented stuff and all the insurance and taxes and and all of those things customer relations i mean it's just something i never i mean having a fisheries and wildlife degree this is like not in my wheelhouse at all so it's been a it's going to continue to be a pretty big learning curve for me me too because i never (laughs) thought i'd be doing some of the stuff i'm doing today right it's the same background basically fish and degree and and uh it's good to challenge yourself and and you know, mm-hmm. maybe loves challenges. So. I do. I do. I get bored if I'm not challenged. Yeah. So. so you told me that you were a zookeeper before at one point or. Yeah, that's, that's why I got a degree in fisheries yeah. and wildlife was to do zookeeping. So I did that for six and a half years. Yeah. And Any crazy stories? Now how there? much time you got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear at least one. <laughs> oh man. Um, I don't know. Well, you got scars. So talk about one, how you got one of your scars at least. So I guess probably getting attacked by an otter would probably be the most. Oh yeah, that would be exciting. Interesting. I mean, like, oh, man. I mean, zookeeping every day is kind of a a unique challenge because you can be catching animals up, you can be training, you can be doing all different kinds of things. Um, but usually, every animal in the zoo gets a yearly physical, mm-hmm. and so we were doing a um, otter physicals one day. At a at a zoo that I hadn't been at very long, and since I was the only one that had caught up an otter before, um, they told me that I was going to be the one to do it, um, which is fine. I mean, I'm I'm comfortable with that. That's not a problem. But the situation wasn't quite what I expected, and um, she kicked into fight instead of flight response, Uh-oh. and I think I ended up with eleven stitches and permanent Ouch. nerve damage. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Yeah, they're cute till they get mad. Oh, I still <laughs> otter. I still love otters, no matter what. I go back and visit her, the one that attacked me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, we've. Uh, uh, you know, I told y'all yesterday. It's like we need to get y'all down and go fishing and stuff. But if that ever worked out, I'll I'll see if I can get um, one of our shark tagging trips <gasps> at work. There you go. Are you serious? Yeah, you come out with this. So. Okay, don't you just lie. got really excited. Don't, don't. Yeah, she's, now yep. she's coming. She's probably without Greg now. So. <laughs> don't lie to me now because I seriously want to yeah, do this. No, we take volunteers out all the time. So Where is this at? Texas? Galveston. Mm. And when yeah. can I come? So we start that up actually first of April and it runs through September. We usually go out one to two times a month um, with our long line stuff that we do. And it's a, it's a program that TPWD does um, for the feds for no fisheries. Um, so we're going out. You go on turkey tour. I'm going shark tank. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I want to come along too. 
So, but no, we've caught we've caught some big ones. I mean, the weight wise, probably the biggest one we've gotten on the boat was probably about four hundred pound bull shark. So, like my dream, they'd have done research on great whites. You know, like I watched that and I was like, I want to do that. I'll never get to do that. But this is a good second. Yeah, so I imagine that was probably um, buddy Chris Fisher from those search guys. Probably. Yeah, that's them. They're always out tagging the big white sharks and stuff. They're over on the. Uh, upper east coast right now on an expedition mm. but so we don't get white sharks but we get uh bull sharks black tips spinners yep. greater and scallop hammerheads we get a tiger shark every once in a while and then some smaller ones you know um bulls but cool. are, are bulls aggressive it's the most aggressive shark yeah. in the world that's what i thought and they're the most common shark species probably in the upper Texas coast because of yep. all the freshwater inflows we have. Right. Especially in Galveston and, and Sabine. Between Galveston and the Louisiana border is where, you know, where we're working at. And, um, yeah, they're <laughs> – Well, there <laughs> you, you go. Have, you have no idea. <laughs> I'm how <many> so <laughs> excited right now. <laughs> so um, – but no, it's cool. I mean, we put um, we put a tag on them, mm -hmm. and then um, I've got some friends and uh, one of the professors that we work with, A and M Galveston. They come out and get some research um, as well, and um, sometimes they're putting on the satellite tags, mm -hmm. the spot tags, yeah. mm -hmm. or the PSAT tags, which mm -hmm. are the ones that pop off after a certain amount of time. Yep. And um, I remember it's probably been seven or eight years ago. We we tagged a a big bull shark with the uh, tag and I think two weeks after we tagged it, it was 80 miles up the Mississippi River. Oh my wow. word! That's a long ways. That's a long ways. <laughs> mm -hmm. We tagged a deer like that went quite a ways, not in that short a time period, but yeah, yeah, it dispersed and was about 75 miles from where we caught him. Got hit wow. 75 miles. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that they're working on a lot in Texas, dealing with turkeys, is they're you know we're trying to reestablish the eastern population in the East Texas, mm -hmm. which they were. You know, very high numbers, and then basically almost completely wiped out. I mean, they were down to 100 or so birds. Wow. And so, you know, um, the the department will get um, birds from other states that are trapped and then brought in, and they try to do what they call super stock sites where they'll stock 80 birds. Um, up to 80 birds is the goal for an area, which is usually like 20 to 30,000 acres of land. Mm -hmm. So one of the places that we do a lot um, of work with, they had – released the birds of course they had tagged all of them and somebody shot one i think it was last year or the year before like 90 miles away wow. from where it was no kidding stocked. that is a That's I mean, that was almost unheard of so yeah. a male i'm assuming yeah that, it was a tom yeah yeah wow 90 miles that's incredible way across an interstate by the way wow which i don't know i guess like it flew across i don't know yeah. for sure but i mean it was over it was across a major interstate so hmm. um that was really cool to hear that yeah. you know with those birds but they're the ones in, in the area that i'm talking about um they're they're doing really well which is good to see good. we're hoping you know in less than five years they'll actually have a draw Huntable. season there yeah huntable which population be nice because yep. it, it's in my opinion it's there now sure but you know they're trying to get them more established and they're they're stocking rios and easterns um mostly easterns mm -hmm. so i'm sure there's some hybridization going sure. on but sure. but um you know we we take a lot of kids up there um trying to introduce them to the outdoors and so one of the things the the wmao let us do is go out and try to call the birds call them in let the kids see them and kind of get excited about turkey hunting cool. and then um we've actually got that event coming up here in i think about a month um and uh, we do a big thing on predators um how they affect the 
not just turkey population, but everything. Sure. Um, so we teach them about trapping and, and stuff like that. Most of these kids have never been outdoors. I mean, I remember one year we had some pigs run across the road in front of us, and the kids were all in the back of one of the trucks. We were driving around, and they wouldn't get out of the trucks for nothing. They were afraid of them? Oh, yeah. They had, they'd never <laughs> seen a wild pig before. And there was a whole sounder ran across in front of us. Yeah. And then uh, um, a few of those kids come back, you know, in later years, you know, the following years. And um, they've done some um, – last year they trapped a bunch while we were there. And the kids wanted to, wanted to go see them. Then, you know, and some of them were from the kids from that first year sure. that I went. And uh, so it was kind of cool to see how they changed yeah. mm -hmm. their attitudes. And, and yeah, um, I think that education is so important for young people, even if they don't turn into hunters or fishermen or outdoorsmen. Just understanding mm -hmm. wildlife and wildlife-related issues yeah. and yeah. conservation for is sure. huge. And so that, that I guess that kind of leads me into my next question is um, hunter recruitment. I mean, that's – that's everything right now. I mean, that's getting people back in the sport, you know, funding mm -hmm. money through mm -hmm. sales taxes mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, I mean, you know, in Texas, I mean, we get, I think it's around 18, 19 million just through sales tax, you know, wow. from the Sport Fish Restoration Act and stuff. Yep. I don't know if, how, how much support, like, Iowa and places like that get I'm from not that. But I'm not sure. I know Aaron Aaron always talks about Missouri. They've got a great program, mm -hmm. and there's a certain percentage of sales tax in the state that goes towards yeah. the uh, Fish and Wildlife Agency there. And they mm -hmm. have a well-staffed um, agency, mm -hmm. great wildlife programs, habitat programs. So it's, yeah, that, yeah, it's, um, it's really important. It's uh, it's um, it's very nice when, 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 when those acts – we're all put into place. So, um, and hopefully, um, I know some, some of the states were having issues. They just voted in Texas, I think, this past year during the legislative session to some of that money was routed to different areas, but it's 100% routed towards efforts. You know, it was to the department mm -hmm. votes for other, other things, but it's all going straight to research and, and, uh, and things like that now. So, um, and that's a chunk of change. You're talking about 18, 20 million bucks. So, um, so where do you guys, uh, how big do you think this thing's going to get over the next couple of years? I mean, y'all, y'all jumped into the merchandise game. So I imagine that will tell you at some point, I mean, I know that's probably done really good since y'all started doing more of that. Yeah. We kind of started out slow with that. Mm -hmm. Not, not really knowing how, you know, how much we're going to sell. So coming to shows like this kind of helps give us a realistic mm -hmm. expectation of, where of that, at. but it's, I don't, I guess we don't really worry about how, how big it's going to get. You're just, we're, you know, more worried about the content we're creating, the message that we're putting out there and, and helping as many people as possible. So right. I suppose as, you know, as, as the, you know, the bigger it gets, the, you know, the more opportunities we have to help people. So mm -hmm. I think that's what we're most excited about. Yeah. We don't sit. I mean, that is our goal when we sit down is what can we do to be better and help more people really. Mm -hmm. So some of the, um, I know y'all do like some of the, um, I've seen on Instagram and stuff, some of the posts y'all have put out where y'all go out and do the scouting methods and stuff like that in certain yeah, areas. Workshops. Yeah. Yep. How do you find out about those and, and y'all have any upcoming plan for this year? We've or? scaled back a little bit on the workshops just because we're doing more of the, trade of the shows. consumer shows here right. and trade shows. Uh, you know, if, if we do them, we'll you know, advertise them well ahead of time on all the social media outlets. Mm -hmm. And they uh, usually have, what, 20 to 25 people that we can accommodate. Right. So 
it's not a lot, but uh, the good thing is with those workshops is that we film them and we edit those videos and uh, you know put them on our our YouTube channel yeah. so people can get a feel of of what's going on. Of course, we try to hit as many different regions of the U.S. and we've been in the South, um, in Mississippi, um, up in Minnesota. Minnesota. We've <laughs> done Missouri as well. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure how many we'll have we'll be able to do this year because we're getting more into the uh, trade shows. We'll be yeah. at the Iowa Deer Classic, Minnesota Deer Classic. Mm-hmm. And by the time we wrap that up, it will be time to start the turkey tour. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So it may, it may be an off-season thing or um, I guess maybe the June or something like yeah. that would be a little more downtime. Cool. Yeah, well, look forward to hearing about those as they come up. Yeah, the turkeys will be gobbling in Texas probably by the end of this month. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So yep. they, they start early if they're not already. So, um, yeah, I think our uh, – We've got a north and south zone. They start the very last week of March and then the second week of April. So Isn't that crazy to think there's turkeys gobbling out there already. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm I excited. bet they <laughs> gobble year-round in Hawaii. Well, I keep getting the guys to go to Hawaii <laughs> to hunt turkeys. And so that, that you know, that's another thing. Um, have, have you gotten a chance to go, like, Osceola or any of the western mm-hmm. Aaron, Aaron, is, Aaron has hunted Osceola's mm-hmm. in the past. He's, I think, the only one of us that has. We're talking about going to North Florida this year, but that'd be for Easterns. Yeah. But we try to uh, hunt at least three subspecies, subspecies every year on the turkey tour, and mm-hmm. it's going to be Easterns, Rios, and, and Merriam. So, mm-hmm. of course, we'll hit the south and southeast early in the season. We'll be hunting primarily Easterns. We'll probably go to – I try to hit Kansas every year to hunt with some buddies there you know, for Rios, mm-hmm. and then we have a hunt planned in Montana for yeah. Merriam's this year. So they're trying to cover as much much ground as we can during the spring and hunt, you know, as many different subspecies as we can. Yeah. But. Yeah. Is there um I know where y'all just went and done the the coos hunt in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um have y'all hunted turkeys out there yet or playing? We have them? not, but I I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. Arizona yeah, those or are New Mexico. Probably Goulds, I guess. Or they have a mix there too. I don't know if there's Goulds in Arizona. That might be in Mexico, old Mexico. But they have Arizona might have a mix of definitely of um Rios, Rios and, yeah. and Merriams. There might even be a little corner where there's some Easterns as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a but very diverse habitat in that state. So. Yeah, it really is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of. I grew up in Oklahoma, and, and it's like every corner is completely different. Yeah, from the the rest of the state. So, desert, swamp, mm-hmm. mountain. That's, well, yeah. Oklahoma mountains, and, right. and the and then plains and stuff. So, um, and it's the same in Texas. You know, I mean, a lot of states are like you know the bigger states are are like that. So, um, yeah, I guess my home state of Nebraska is kind of like that. You know, starting yeah. in the east, you've got you know rolling hills, and then river bottoms across the state and then the northwest corner if you got the pine ridge so you've got mm-hmm. three different ecosystems essentially and three different subspecies that you can kill in one state so those yeah. those are always fun yeah that's hunt. cool yeah so what about um talk about something else that's creeping further north is the wild hog population mm-hmm. so how many encounters have y'all had have been all like in mississippi area or mississippi i'm trying to think of where else i mean i know they got them in missouri now from what I've heard, and, and yeah, Oklahoma certainly Missouri, and uh, um, well, I'm in Texas, so we've got pigs <laughs> oh, in the yeah. neighborhood, basically. Yeah, so. it's it's becoming a problem, and even you're seeing it in mainstream media. You know, um, on ABC News or something mm-hmm. like that. There's been specials on the hog problem and all the damage that they cause, and and the efforts to reduce the numbers. But it's it's a daunting task. It is insane it's, how many pigs are are out there now, and fact that they can 
you know, produce so many per litter and, and breed so many times mm -hmm. a year. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just expon exponential growth. Yeah. And what is the population? Like 2 million or something in Texas? Or maybe maybe it's even more than that. Yeah, I don't know. It's my county, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, way it's more probably than that. Way, yeah. You know, I mean, usually on our deer lease where I hunt, I mean, we were all hunting like maybe 500 acres. And we usually have, with all the cameras, we have four or five different sounders at one time. And they'll just go from feeder to feeder to feeder, mm -hmm. oh. you know, and some of them are five pigs, some of them are 20, you know. I mean, I, my buddies called me right before I came up here, and they caught seven in the trap just last week. Um, but uh, it's a huge problem, and they mm -hmm. do – I mean, so people so just don't damage. understand how much damage they do. Right. I mean, in one night, they can wipe out an acre of your land sure. in no time, and it could just be a couple – pigs can do that much damage mm -hmm. so um and yeah aggressive animals too it's mm -hmm. i i did some research uh in texas it's been i don't know 10 15 years ago something <laughs> like that where we were capturing or helping capture and had other people capturing wild hogs that we would mm -hmm. eventually um house and would keep and we're doing uh, some testing on different fence designs you know what it, what it would take right. for pigs to be able to break through fences and you know when we were you know keeping these things even the little um the little shoats would be aggressive and charge mm -hmm. at you and yeah. <laughs> try to get you through the cage. Yeah. It's like, holy cow. Yeah, they can be they mean. They are mean. I've, I've gotten run, almost run over once one morning. I think we uh, we somehow stumbled across the whole sounder. It was bedded down in some trees and some cedars, and and we kept hearing something. I'll never forget that. I was with my buddy, my friend Greg, back home, and, and uh, we were like, what is that noise? And all of a sudden – here come eight hogs. I mean, they got up, and, and I don't think they even knew we were there. I mean, we disturbed them, obviously, but I don't think they even seen us once they come out. But they, they ran out and basically ran us right off the road. Oh <laughs> and I was just, like, praying, you know, it wasn't tusks coming, swinging right, our direction. Right. And uh, I got out of the way as fast as I could, and they took off running. I mean, we weren't even prepared to shoot at any of them or anything. <laughs> yeah. You ever, you ever used to watch um, – uh, what is it? Wild America with Marty Stauffer oh, yeah. back in the day. I, favorite that was, show as a kid. Yeah, that was my one of my first memories of, of wild pig behavior was he was getting chased up trees by them. <laughs> yeah. like, of course, he was probably provoking them. And, right. And th those might have been, you know, semi, I don't know where it was at. They seem more like Razorbacks. Maybe it was more like in the east in the Appalachians mm -hmm. or something like that. But he was pretty much provoking them and then getting chased up a tree. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure doing it for the drama of it all, mm -hmm. you know, to get it for a show. But, yeah. I remember uh, thinking, man, man, there's a nasty critters. Yeah. Just mean. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was a pioneer in footage. Yeah. You know, my buddy, oh, um, yeah. Chester, he's done several um, interviews with him, with Marty over mm -hmm. the years. And it's always fun listening to those stories. Yeah. And how they'd sit out there for almost weeks sometimes just to get certain shots. Yep. And, sure. And stuff. Yeah. So that's and what now I wanted to do when I was younger. I wanted yeah. to be a Marty Stoffer. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't exactly. quite turn out that way, but I, my love for the, the video production, at least I'm right doing something with that yeah mm -hmm. that's cool yeah i'm still uh i tried making a um a mount for my gopro you know to and to get some good footage of of a tom coming into the mm -hmm. decoy and stuff and i'm still perfecting that idea I'm, i know there's tons of stuff on the market but I was like, i'm gonna make something myself and i'm gonna get a good video one year and i'll probably send it to you so you can edit it for me so, <laughs> so yeah. it'll look decent cool. so. <laughs> But um yeah, my my biggest thing now is um you know, is is getting my kids out in the outdoors and and um my daughter's just turned six last week or this week actually on Monday and 
Um, she started going hunting with me, just going with me when she was, I guess, four. And um, and we got a bird the last night we were there. And it was tough, you know, hunting with, with a, a little mm-hmm. kid. and But she was so into it. And um, I'll never forget, you know, the impact that made on me. The night we shot the bird, you know, she got so excited. We were hunting in a pop-up blind. Mm-hmm. And um, we finally... I finally nailed down basically the exact tree they were going to roost. So we set up. I didn't know which way they were going to come from. And, I mean, we were just got so blessed that they, they walked right by us, like <laughs> 20 yards. Had eight, eight, eight birds, I think four toms and four oh, hens wow. came in. And um, and so we got one. And I remember when, when I shot that bird, she almost bounced through the roof of my <laughs> pop-up blind because she was so excited. And, um, and so that, man, that really – it really got me pumped. I can't wait for her to get one. Yeah. You know, and she's, she wants, I mean, probably a couple more years and I'll start letting her shoot, mm-hmm. shoot shotgun. But, um, I'm so excited for that. That's so cool. Those <laughs> early experiences like that are so important. You know, getting yeah, kids, I, mean, I didn't have anything. Hooked. I mean, I was 30 years old before I ever shot a, sure. a turkey or anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so that's kind of, you know, what me and my wife are really, um, trying to do. And I think y'all are really helping, helping with that, with everything. Um, seeing all the kids, I mean, you see a lot of young, y'all are probably going to be inundated with kids tomorrow. It's actually been really neat to see um, just the range of people that right. come and talk to us. You know, everything from seven-year-olds up to 70-year-olds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just really neat to see that it's, it's it's widespread. And it shows you the power of YouTube because they're all talking right. about how wa- love watching you guys' show on YouTube. So, you know, I mean, we've yeah. got everybody just such a wide demographic of people that mm-hmm. are using that um, using google and youtube yeah to get their information so it helps us to you know to get our message out there to get the content out there yeah. to a lot of different people yeah and that's one thing man we're always talking about social media and how it's such a good tool and everything and then sometimes it can be so bad mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. we're always talking about that in church and stuff and mm-hmm. and uh, but you got to use it for business, you have to. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, yep. it's 100% you have to use it's it. part of life now. And um, and so I was kind of late to that game, but, you know, I've kind of gotten across, you know, multiple platforms with some of the stuff we're doing. And, and um, it's crazy the reach that there is. Oh, yeah. And um, it's it's cool, especially Instagram, man. You can mm-hmm. – I mean, there's people – I mean, I'll put something up. I mean, I don't have very many followers or anything like that, but – you know, you put a hashtag or something. You're just like, who the heck are you? And how did you find yep. find this? So um, that's pretty cool. Because I know y'all put something up. And I mean, immediately it's got one, two thousand, you know, people. Yeah, there's, it's crazy. there's a lot of interaction. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to, to be able to have that. It, it, you know, it takes a fair amount of work to keep mm-hmm. up with all of that. But it's it's worthwhile. I think those, you know, that, that interaction and the relationships is. You mm-hmm. know, and that that's one of our goals, too, is to help facilitate a hunting community. You know, it it seems like more and more competition kept creeping into the hunting industry and, you know, the social aspect was getting lost. And that's mm-hmm. one of our, our big goals is to bring community back into it, stop yeah. competing against each other and working together. Right, to lift each other up. No mm-hmm. matter what it is, whether you're gun hunting, bow hunting, crossbow, you know, whatever, um, we, we just really want to help facilitate and create a community. And so it's really neat to see you know, the, the comments and people interacting with each other yeah. on the YouTube and on mm. Facebook, not even necessarily with us, but, you know, with each mm. other. It's just really neat on to... On the positive side. Yeah, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. most most mm-hmm. of the things are, are positive, yeah. so it's really been a neat yeah. thing. 
I think, yeah, I think uh, I think the only aggra- aggravated thing I've seen that kind of bothered me was um, was with the internship y'all did. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure y'all got. I mean, I couldn't believe some, some of the stuff. It's like you know, and but I we see their point, like, and yeah, we absolutely. we we feel really but, guilty about that too. But it's like the labor laws really tie small businesses' mm-hmm. hands with that and what you you can and can't do and. And so, like, we struggled with that for a long time because you you really do want to pay right. them, but you, you small businesses can't afford to pay yeah. full-time people. There's so many people that would kill for that opportunity. Well, and, and that's mm-hmm. it. Do, to do whatever. Yeah. I mean, this yep. business is so hard to get into. I mean, you have to yep. basically know somebody mm-hmm. to open a door for you. I mean, yep. everybody in the hunting industry knows each other mm-hmm. for the most part. And mm-hmm. it's the same in the fishing industry. Yep. Um and you just don't ever want to feel like you're taking advantage of somebody. Right. But we, we really do work hard, Aaron especially. You know, um, even at Midwest Whitetail when we would have all these kids come in, he worked really hard to get them all into the hunting industry beyond their little internship at Midwest mm-hmm. Whitetail. And really, I believe now everybody that Aaron um, dealt with as an intern coming into Midwest Whitetail if they wanted to stay in the hunting industry, they're in it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he, he found there. a way to keep them in it. And so that, you know, you can't ever promise that, but you know, that's what we try to offer is, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll try to help you stay in it if you want to, yeah. even though maybe monetarily we can't pay you right now right. so that it's a, a really good opportunity and not just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I'm applying for, anything any kind of internships or something during the summer in college you know just trying to get that mm-hmm. experience and, and i guarantee you the job i got um back in texas was 100 percent because of those opportunities i was mm-hmm. given yeah you know so i mean oh, yeah, anything in wildlife too yeah. you almost have to have those mm-hmm. yeah. volunteer hours I'm always telling kids that at A&M or just where, you know, wherever it's like, you have to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like, don't expect to get paid for everything you're going to do in life. Yep. You got to, you have to make your way into whatever you're wanting to do. Right. Yep. And I volunteered at almost every job before I was hired on. At the zoo, like yeah. zoo jobs. Zoo jobs and other, other places too. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a big thing. Um, hopefully most, most kids now, will understand and not won't be too late for them once they get out. Mm-hmm. I got a degree. Now what do I go yeah. do? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when we get a job opening, it's usually three to 400 applications for one job because nobody leaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to give their job up because it's such a good job. And, and that's pretty much any of the state, you know, DNR departments mm-hmm. and Absolutely. stuff. I mean, yep. it's just so hard to get in. Yep. yep. And um, if you can stick out, I mean, that's definitely where, where it's at yep. so you whittle that down to four or five people you know that have the experience that you're looking for so that's a that's a cool thing that y'all offer you know for for a couple of people a year or so so yeah yeah it's it's been an important part of you know what what we've done through midwest whitetail and now and mm-hmm. a lot of the re- relationships that we have as far as partnerships go have been because somebody yeah. that we used to have as an intern now works for that company right so it's mm-hmm. it's been hugely beneficial in a lot of different ways yeah well, cool. Well, um, I think we're about 40 minutes, but we might end it here. But uh, I, I really want to thank you guys. Um, I know I just met y'all yesterday, <laughs> so it was probably crazy me coming and asking y'all to do this. Not but, at all. Um, but I really appreciate it. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, so I am going to do anything if you tell me I can come tag fish. <laughs> I mean, sharks, I'm coming. Yep. 
Yeah, you and my wife will get along really well too. So um, I mean, I probably won't sleep tonight. I'm so that's how excited I am right now. <laughs> well, that's cool. Look forward to doing that. And um, yeah, you guys are both welcome to come down and go fishing. Any of you guys, you know, I think I gave cards to everybody, but yep. um, offers there. So and uh, um, maybe we'll. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get to hunt in Texas or something sometime. You'll come down. That'd be awesome. Go hunt some public land for some Easterns or Rios. Absolutely. So. All right, Mindy, Greg, thank you so much. much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks again, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of the Impact Outdoors podcast. Really hope you enjoyed this this conversation and and uh, continue to follow along with us as we re- release new new conversations with uh, people from all over the hunting and fishing industry. And and uh, looking forward to to next week's episode. Um, follow along with us on Instagram and on our website at impactoutdoorspodcast.com where you can also leave us a leave us a comment and, uh, and a suggestion for a future episode. So we'd love to hear who you'd like to hear on the show and we'll do our best to, to get them on and, and uh, make that happen for you. Um, we'd also like to ask, since we're starting out, you know, um, to hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. And uh, that'll help us get found easier by new new listeners every week. And and I really want to grow this audience and, and uh, see how big we can get this thing and and uh, reach as many people as we can. So once again, thanks, and we'll catch you on the next episode.